Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You ever heard the phrase, God will not uh, give you or put on you more than you can handle? I'm not real sure where that phrase came from, but it's not in the Bible, though commonly understood that it is in the Bible. God will not give you or put on you more than you can handle. It's not, it's not such a bad thing to say necessarily, but uh, we don't find it in Scripture. But we, what we do find, and I think maybe that idea came from uh, uh, off of this verse of Scripture, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Everybody found it? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Now, um, I think we all need to understand something tonight, all right, that we are, we are all living on the same planet, right? We are all incurring very much the same problems, the same kind of temptations. These things are out there. And what Paul is teaching us is, there, there's no temptation that has overtaken you, but as such is common to man. In other words, other people are going through it too. And, and the reason we need to understand that tonight is because sometimes, if you're not careful, you'll victimize yourself and act like your temptation is exclusive to you. And nobody understands. I'm all alone in this. No, you're not. Get over yourself. All right? Everybody has problems. All right? And that's not the time to exclude ourselves. That's actually the time to gather. That's actually the time to gather and glean from other people and quit acting like you can't receive from other people and they possibly can't possibly understand where you are. All right? We need each other in those times. So he's saying the temptation is common. As a matter of fact, we have this great, great high priest by the name of Jesus Christ, the Scripture says, who is touched with the very feelings of our infirmities, the Scripture says. He sympathizes with our very feelings. He knows what you felt because he walked on this earth as a man. And he was tempted in all points as we are. So he incurred temptations too, yet without sin. Some act like Jesus couldn't have sinned. But let me just say something. He was tempted to sin, and he could have, but he chose not to. He showed us as humans that you can choose not to do wrong. Right? Nobody's, nobody's forcing your hand in it. Nobody's forcing your hand. At the end of the day, we make the choice. Right? Now, we don't always like the responsibility that comes with that choice, but let's be grown up enough to say that we chose it, right? We chose to sin or we chose that direction because God has given us all the power to choose. Nobody else can choose it for you. Everybody clear on that? All right. Now, now look at this. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able? Wow. Now, that's extraordinary. It's like the devil has, he has a limitation. God has made sure that whatever he tempts you with cannot, doesn't have the power to overtake you without your choice to receive it. He can't just force sin on you. That's what he's saying. All right? 
who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape. Now, this is not saying God is providing the temptation. He's saying along with that temptation that comes, God has a way too, all right? The devil has a way. He's got a trap set for you, but God has a way of escape. Along with that temptation, God always provides a way for you to escape. Look at that. And, and, and that you may be able to bear it. Well, how are you going to bear it? Well, a lot of times, you know, when it comes to lust, when it comes to lust, especially uh, sexual in the area of sexual immorality, the Scripture basically has one answer for that. Run for your life. Hmm? Especially if you are a 20-year-old male and stuff is raging, right? You can't just stand there and wish it to go away. No, you need to run. Get out of there. Amen. <laughs> you got to run. Get out. Flee youthful lust. That's what Joseph did. He still got in trouble. But it wasn't because he didn't flee. It wasn't because he fled. It was because she lied about him, right? God will always provide the way of escape. So what is the escape? Let's just talk about that for a moment. What is the escape? What way of escape is he provided for us? How do you overcome those temptations? Hmm? Somebody has been coming to church more than two days, two Sundays. All right. Through the Word. Through the Word. See, the, 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 the deception is, is that when you are tempted, this guilt comes on you. And you haven't even done anything yet, right? This feeling of shame, this feeling of guilt, well, if I, if I wasn't this way, I wouldn't be tempted with this. Now it got quiet in here. Why did it get so quiet? Huh? I wouldn't be tempted with this. There's something wrong with me if this tempts me. No, you live on planet Earth, and there's a devil who's trying to take you out. All right? Don't be surprised by the temptations that come your way. Just be aware of them and, and, and be vigilant to walk the way of, to go the way of escape that God has provided. And that way is his word. What does the scripture say? Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen to me. That's not the time to hang your head in shame because you've been tempted. That's the time to run to that throne of grace. Because in that moment, in that temptation, God has provided a way of escape called his grace. And Ephesians, I mean, Romans chapter 6, verse 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law, you are under, come on, shout grace. grace. You're under grace. Grace is that way of escape. It's his power working in your weakness. That's what Paul said, I'd rather boast in my infirmity, I'd rather boast in my weakness, because in that weakness, at that place, his strength is made perfect. Turn over to Romans chapter 5 for a moment. I hope this is helping you tonight. It's helping me. I wasn't even planning on preaching this. Not even in the notes. Praise God. Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 20. Brian, read that. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Praise God. So listen to that. Where sin abounded, grace, much, grace abounded much more. Now, get ready for this. Not only in the temptation... Is there that way of escape called grace? But my family, if you do trip, 
if you do sin? Where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. That is extremely good news to me. Because grace didn't stop when I kept going. Huh? And it's in that location. I love that. It says where sin abounded. In that place, that's where grace abounded. Grace wasn't back here waiting for you to come back to it. It was right there so that you would overcome. Where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. Where did sin abound? Well, sin abounded on planet Earth, didn't it? Teaches us a little earlier in this chapter that by one man's sin, death came to all men. Thanks, Adam. Can you imagine, though, he gets to bear the, the, the guilt of that? Can you imagine being, I mean, we've all, we've all messed up, we've all sinned, and, and for the most part, it affects us. But maybe some other people were affected by it, too, especially if you were just blowing up anger all over everybody. All right? But Adam's sin affected every man on earth. Well, that is a weight to bear. I'm responsible for bringing sin into the world. You're welcome. <laughs> by one man's act of disobedience, by one man's death came to all men. And at that place where sin abounded, God sent his only son and grace much more abounded. God who justifies the ungodly. How does God justify the ungodly? I don't know, but I sure am glad he does. I sure am glad he did. That's what makes grace so much better than karma. Religion, only, only the pinnacle of, of religion is karma. That's it. You do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. And hopefully, in the end, the good will outweigh the bad. Hopefully, the Lord, is, as he's keeping tally marks on all your good stuff and all your bad stuff, hopefully you got more, more uh, brownie points of good than you do of bad points over here so that you, the, the scale will tip in your direction. What a horrific deception that is. And, and the world is eaten up with that kind of mentality. I mean, you, all religions are basically the same. They're just dressed up in a different name. But that's basically what all religions teach us, that we're trying to build a road through our own righteousness, through our own works, to gain favor with God in the afterlife. Right? And that's not going to gain any favor. Because His favor is found through His Son. And all who believe on Him will receive everlasting life. Right? That's what, that's what makes grace greater. I, I don't want karma. I don't want what I deserve. I don't want what's coming to me. Are you hearing me? I need grace. Anybody else holding out for grace here tonight? Shine that karma stuff. I need grace. It's way better. That which abounds more. God has provided grace, the undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor of God. That is... He's giving it to you simply because he wants to. Hallelujah. Just because that's who he is. He just decided to get over our sin. Why? Because he blamed Jesus for all of our sin. 
And if he continues to blame our people today for sin, then he's unjust for what he did to Jesus. Either Jesus took all of it or he took none of it. Right? So since he bore all of, oh, say all my sins are washed away. All of them. All of them. He bore all of them. So it's impossible then for God to count your sins against you. I don't know how many times I've heard, God's judging America. God's, oh, he's mad at America. You remember when Katrina hit, that tragedy? These boneheads got up there and acted like they were speaking for God. God's judging New Orleans. Well, he missed Bourbon Street, man. He's not a very good shot. I mean, he just completely missed it. I think he's a better aim than that. If that were really God's judgment, I think he could actually hit that street if he wanted to. But no, he's not. He's not because he's not judging the world. Now, the Son of God will judge the world. Yeah. Remember that wrath of the Lamb that we talked about? He's storing up wrath now. He's seated in blood, and we're all grateful for that. He's seated in his blood, sitting next to the Father. Scripture teaches us that he came and and poured a, a blood offering on that mercy seat for us in heaven and sat down in his blood. But there will be a day when he will stand up off of that throne. And that day of grace is over at that moment. And all those who rejected his grace, all those who rejected his blood sacrifice, his blood to wash away their sins, are going to pay the most terrible price. But that's not yet. And this is why we announce the good news wherever we can. That God is not angry with you. God made a way for you. You can't make a way for yourself. You just can't do it. So God made it for you. Jesus did what you could not do. Believe on him and receive all the benefits. Glory to God. Wow. How about this verse of Scripture? To thine own self be true. You ever read that verse of Scripture? No. Now, if you watched Hamlet, you, uh, you know that. But it has been quoted as being in the Bible. It's not. William Shakespeare. How about love the sinner, hate the sin? That's not, that's not a, a verse in the Bible either. St. Augustine said this in one of his letters. I mean, something like this. He said, with love for mankind and hatred of sins. It's not a, it's not, it's not a bad thing to, to say necessarily. We just got to clear up the, the myths about the Bible, right? That's just not there. And by the way, can I, I'm going to say something, that, and it might bother you at first when I say it. We're not called to love the sinner. Yeah, I figured that you'd appreciate that. Listen to me. I, let, just follow me for a second. You know me, right? You know I'm going to preach the truth to you. I'm not just going to throw some weird thing on you. People pray, God, give me a heart for the lost so that I'll be a bold witness. Break my heart for the world. Help me to love people so that I'll finally do something. What if you simply just set your affection on God? 
Imagine Christians who simply love God. All right? Because if you love God, you'll be a witness. Not because you love the sinner, but because you love the one who loves the sinner. (laughs) That was good preaching right there. Not because you love the sinner, but because you love the one who loves the sinner. Right? Because if you're waiting for a love for them, you're going to be waiting a long time. All right? We love him because he first We wouldn't even know love if God hadn't loved us. He's the one that we are loved to. And because he talked, right, go over to Acts chapter 10. I'll just give you an example of it. Do you remember? I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but I want you to see just this side of it. The, uh, the apostle Peter um, is is about to do something he's never done before. As a matter of fact, when God, when Jesus spoke to his disciples um, after he had risen from the dead and he gave them what's, what we call the Great Commission, right? Go into all the world and love the sinner. No, he said preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? Hey, preaching the gospel is, is an expression of love, all right? Okay. Please understand what I'm saying tonight. Going to all the listen to that rain. Thank you, Lord. Going to all the world and preach the gospel. Well, in the disciples' minds, you have to understand where they were at that time. They they did not they, in their minds they thought all of the Jewish world. That's all they knew, because they'd only heard Jesus say, "I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel." It's not right that I take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs, to the Gentiles out here. So that all they knew was it's, it's for the Jew. But it wasn't until Acts chapter 10 that God blows Peter's mind, sitting on top of Simon the Tanner's house in, in the city of Joppa, which is a coastal city, and he's waiting on lunch, and the Scripture says he went up on the roof and is sitting there around noontime, and, he, and he's hungry, and he falls into a trance. And he sees this great sheet let, down, sheet let down from heaven. And on that, and it's bound at the four corners, and on that sheet are all kinds of animals, four-footed animals, creeping things, all those kinds of things. And then he hears the Lord tell him, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's, he sees a pig in there. He sees any very unkosher things. And he says, Not so, Lord. I have never eaten anything unclean. And God said, don't call common what I have cleansed. Don't call unclean what I have cleansed. And he sees this vision three different times. And finally, Peter gets it when he, uh, the Spirit says, there are three men here waiting for you. I want you to go with them, doubting nothing. So he goes with these guys who are sent from Cornelius' house 30 miles north up in Caesarea. So they make their way up to Cornelius' house, who is a Gentile, and Peter steps in this house and he says, you know that it is unlawful for me to be with people like you. Does it sound like Peter loved the sinner? You know it's unlawful for me to be with people like you. It's against the law of Moses, but God has shown me something new. So I'm here because I love him. I'm here because I want to please him. I'm here because he saved me. And I have a message to give to you. This is, this is really awesome. 
He says, now of a truth I perceive God is no respecter of persons. Everybody's equal in his eyes now. Wow. So he preached the gospel, and we, we know the rest of the story. So he went because he was told by God to go. Listen to me. Your heart for God will lead you, will lead you in the right direction. It will lead you to those that he loves. You just set your affection on him. All right? Set your affection on him. Love him. Amen. All right. How about this, this uh, myth, biblical mythical verse? Spare the rod, spoil the child. That's not in Scripture either. Did you know that? Now, it is a variation of Scripture. So despite popular opinion, that famous saying, it, it can't be found anywhere in the Bible. The saying, however, uh, it should not be considered invalid uh, as there are verses that promote a very similar concept. Can we go to those verses for just a moment? Sure, Pastor Eric. Verse, Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24. Proverbs 13, 24. It says, he who withholds his rod hates his son. Man, this flies in the face of today's, today's child rearing, doesn't it? it? I mean, it flies right in the face of the way people believe today. Don't hit your kid. They'll hate you. Well, this, this says he who withholds his rod hates his son. But we don't like to hear something like this. We just want to be nice. But he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Let me tell you something. I was diligently disciplined as a kid. I mean, if my father had a habit in anything that he just refused to break, it was that one. The diligence of beating my backside. You know, never one time did I hate him for it. Not one time. Because he didn't do it in an abusive way. He didn't do it as an angry father. He would whip me, and then he would always take time to reaffirm his love to me. And parents just losing it. Got in your room! I can't talk to you right now. Just, so the kid goes to the room, and guess what this kid's thinking in the room behind their door? I hate you. Instead of beating it out of them, you've stoked the fire instead. Instead of training up the child in the way they should go, see? Right? Time out. In my, house, in my family, it was knockout. There was no such thing as time out. It was hit him and see how much time he's out. Could use, we could use a little bit more knocking kids around today. Amen. Yeah, you might not like it. That's all right. I'm a product of it, and I know that it works. All right? And I was the, I was the recipient. Amen. Hallelujah. Proverbs twenty two fifteen. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. That's why mom and daddy, you do them 
no good if you're trying to be their friend. They need a leader, not a friend. They got plenty of friends. They're in third grade with them, all right? (laughs) Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Just drive that stupid rod out of him. The next chapter, Proverbs chapter 23, do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. Now the child's thinking, if you strike me with the rod, I surely will die. (laughs) But he says, if you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol or from the grave. Wow. The rod and reproof give wisdom. This is verse, uh, Proverbs 29. But a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. All right, that's all I'll talk on, on that tonight. But I just, I just wanted to uh, say that it, it, it is true and it says it, spoil, uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. That, that is true. Uh, but these verses don't quite say it. There's not a verse that says it just like that. All right. Jonah. Jonah was swallowed by what? See, you guys have been reading the wrong Bible. He was, <laughs> Jeremiah said it was a big old bass. It very well could have been. It was a fish, not a whale. It was a fish. The Lord, let's, let's go to Jonah chapter uh, 2 or 1. Where am I? Let me just, we'll start in verse 1. I want to I read quite a few verses here. Alex, good luck, man. God bless you. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. We just talked about Joppa, didn't we? And found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it uh, to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. How many times we got to say that word? It's so hard to say. But the, verse 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Now, for the sake of time, uh, this storm blows up, and these guys are thinking, all right, somebody's done, somebody ain't living right. Right? So then they cast lots to see who was the guy who was bringing the trouble, and the lots, script, the scripture says, fell on Jonah, and they said, what are you doing? Right? And he says, all right, I admit, I'm running from God. So he's, they said, well, what do we do? What do we do to fix it? He said, throw me overboard. Throw me in the sea. Well, they didn't want to do that. They, they started rowing harder, trying to get the land. And the, the harder they rowed, the, the bigger the, the, the wind blew, the, the harder the wind blew. And so they, they just couldn't find land. And finally, they prayed that God would spare their lives. And, and out of sorrow, they, they cast Jonah over the side of the boat. And the moment he hit the water, the sea quieted. Everything got still. So let's look at verse 12. And he said to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you, for I know this great tempest is because of me. 15, so they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the, Lord, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Verse 17, now the Lord had prepared a great 
does it say? A great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. So, Jonah has been on quite a venture. Why? Because God said, I need you to go to Nineveh and tell them the bad news. Aren't you grateful for the gospel? Tell them the bad news. And, he's, and Jonah ran for his life. Right? So watch. Chapter 3, verse 1. Jonah has been in this belly of the well, uh, fish. And, and so he prays to God. After three days, the Lord causes the fish to belch him up on the, on the seashore. All right? Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, uh, Jonah 3, 1, and now 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. This city is like 60 miles around. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. I want you to notice something here. This message has no hope in it. He doesn't even say like Jesus and John the Baptist said, Repent! Because this city or your city will be overthrown. No, he walked in and said, 40 days, it's over for you guys. This city will be overthrown in 40 days. That's the only message he had to preach. Nothing but bad, hopeless news. You're all done for. All right? So the people of Nineveh, verse 5, believed God. Everybody say believed. Now listen to me. It's often preached that, that because they repented, but actually they believed all right? They believed God, and as a result of their faith, then they began to turn. Then they changed their minds. You cannot repent before you believe. All right? You have to believe first, and then you are granted repentance. Okay. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth, which is a, 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 a clothing, like a burlap sack kind of burlap for, for mourning and, and, uh, and repenting, from the greatest to the least of them. Verse 6, then, the, then, the, uh, then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. So now they're hoping for the best. Verse 10, then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. They believed, they repented, then God repented. This is why Jonah didn't want to go, my family. This is why he didn't want to go. Because now who looks like the false prophet? Right? Right? The city's going to be destroyed in 40 days. 40 days go by, 41, 42. Jonah's ministry is over. Watch. Chapter 4, verse 1. 
but it pleased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. This entire city of 120,000 people got spared, and Jonah's ticked off about it. And he said to the Lord, and he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, oh, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God. You sent me with a message. It was nothing but a setup. Slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. What a sore sport. Huh? I mean, that's like, I mean, this went right to the depths of, the, of a pity party. Kill me now, God. I have no reason to live. Watch this. This is so good. Verse 4, then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and pouted. I think that's what it should say. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. He still got a hope. Burn, baby, burn! Don't make me look bad. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was gr very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. That sounds like a teenager talking. I'm just, not, not teen, any teenagers here, just teenagers that go to other churches. Verse 9, then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? I love this. And he said, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city in which are more than 120,000 persons? Come on, Jonah, where are your priorities, bud? You pity a plant, and I pity people, and you just get, you can't get over that? Something, huh? But they believed God. They believed the report. They believed what God said. Well, the message to us, uh, us in the beginning was not good, was it? Before this gospel came, the message was, you're born in your sins. You, you can't do good enough to get out of that sin. You can't work enough good works because it's not an action thing. It's a condition. You're not a sinner because you, you sin. You're a sinner because you're born. You're born that way. 
And so you've got, a, you've got an incurable disease. You've got a big-time problem. So we have to fix the condition. So righteous actions won't fix the condition. So Jesus then came and fixed the condition when he became sin. He didn't become a sinner. He became sin so that your condition would change. His condition for your condition. So you, you became righteousness. So then the actions that you take now or the, uh, uh, what you do now out of good works is fruit from who you are. Not to attain righteousness, but because you are righteousness. Ooh, this is good. Huh? But before that, the, message, the news was bad. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And man, that ticked the devil off, didn't it? It's not fair. I'm glad it's not fair. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for, thank you for this great church. Thank you for my family here tonight. Thank you for teaching us such wonderful things from your scripture, Lord, that we get to know you more and more as we take time out of our, of our lives to be here in this place, in fellowship, in worship, and in the hearing of the word. Father, let this word do what it's intended to do. It's life to those who find it. It's health to all of their flesh. We receive your word tonight to have its full effect in our lives. We surrender to your word and its power. We surrender to your truth, Lord. We're not, we're, not, we're not so stuck in our ways where we can't hear the word and believe and change. That's why we're here tonight. To know you more. To grow more. To increase in you. And Father God, that we can live better lives so that we can be more effective in our witness because we do know that you love the world. You love this world. You love the people in this world. Help us, Lord, to do what we can by what we do, a demonstration of you in our lives so that others may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. We know that our good works don't take us to heaven, but they just might help somebody else get there. And so, Father, we just pray that you would use us for your glory. Use us, God. We'll follow you. We'll, we'll preach your gospel. We'll live for you. We'll be that example. We'll be that light, Lord. We'll say what you want us to say. We're submitted to you. Because we understand, Lord, that eternity, eternity waits for us. And you want all men to come to salvation. So that's our mission. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing on all these who are here tonight. Lord, that they would lie down in peace tonight and sleep. For you alone, O oh Lord, make them dwell in safety. Thank you, Lord, for the peace of God and the grace of God to be abounding to your people as they go from here. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.